One and all to Vision on Sound with me, Martin Holmes. Today's guest is Paul Ebbs, who's written quite a bit for television, and he talks about that as well as talking about his new book, Treeface and the Cripple. Hello, Paul. Hello, Martin. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Um, we talk about television a lot on the show I do. Good. And I'm aware of television. I have seen it. I believe you worked in it, and I know that you're making a living as a writer. Yes, that's the that's what I do. Well, I I, I tried to make a living. I could I could do better. Well, couldn't we all? <laughs> um, so yes, that's the that that's what I do. I'm writing I'm writing mm-hmm. books and um, audio stuff at the moment. Uh, but yes, I have worked in television. I've worked on um, Doctors, Casualty, mm-hmm. The Bill, EastEnders. Uh, I, I you know. A lot of people, and I and I've no, and I've noticed being a Doctor Who fan mm. over the years, there are two things that Doctor Who fans seem to hate, and that's soaps and football. Mm. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. so, so I so I want to make a football soap. No, just a just a, <laughs> no, 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 I don't want to do that. When I say like Hampton Striker, yeah, Striker, that was that was good. That was I've, I've got a few episodes of that. Um, do a remake. You could Russell T Davis it. <laughs> that would be good. Um, yes. Yeah, so so Doctor Who fans seem to a lot of Doctor Who fans, not all of mm. them, but a lot of them seem to hate sport. Mm. And they hate soaps, and they're all, they're mm. all you know. Whenever you see Doctor Who fans on on the internet, yeah. uh, slagging off stuff, a lot of it's you know slagging off soap and mm. the soapy elements in Doctor Who since it came back mm. in two thousand five. What they don't get, or what they don't understand, is yes, okay, it may be, it may be popular television soaps. It, it may be just about there's you know there's there's no spaceships or mm. or ray guns or anything like mm. that. But they're really difficult to write. Now I I did okay on Doctors, I did okay mm. on uh, Casualty, and I did okay on The Bill mm. for the short time I was there but I was fired from EastEnders because I wasn't good enough it's it's a really difficult skill to be able to write that show yes and I I couldn't do it I was I was fine I was hired I was headhunted from from Mm -hmm. from casualty and I was taken you know and I went down to EastEnders I went to Elstree and I you know and I had a day there with them and I and I started right I in six weeks I was fired because I just couldn't do it I couldn't do it to the standard they wanted it is not an easy show to work on so when I hear people slagging off soaps for Mm. being what soaps are Yes. I, 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 I realised that they really just don't understand how difficult they are. I think a lot of people don't understand even now how, how difficult television is, full oh, television. stop. Oh, yeah, well, it is, it is. I, I still think, on some level, people just think that it actually happens by osmosis, you know, that well, the yes. words aren't prepared or anything like that. I know that there used to be a thing that people used to uh, send presents to the Coronation Street staff if, yeah. or, or try and send money if they were going yeah. through a storyline <laughs> yeah. and everything like that. And I don't know whether the reality television aspect has increased or decreased that this sense that it's it's sort of happening in front of your eyes which is it's brilliant writing Mm. But it's kind of when it's the, kind of odd when those characters come alive, and you know, and you and you think, you know, the great soap characters, and the reason that they're great is not just down to the writing or the actor. It's how real that confluence of the two things comes together to make a real 
person, yes. a person that people can relate to. And that's not easy. That is not easy to do. So mm. so when you think of the great soap characters, the Den and Angies, mm. you, you know, the, for whatever the, the limitations of somebody like Leslie Grantham as an actor, mm. uh, and, he, and he did have limitations, and he, you know, he was a bad boy as well. But mm. what he did with that character, what he did with those words, and what he did with his presence, and, and it was was really amazing. I, th- I think, you know, people like him, and, you know, Coronation Street is not something I've really watched, but you, you hear people talking about the things that Pat Phoenix did, and, and, and mm. you think, yeah, she was amazing. Bet Lynch, and, you know, those names mm. are in the folklore, like Sherlock Holmes. And, oh, yes. And Doctor Who, or Bet Lynch, yeah. is, a, is like that. They struck a call. Hilda Ogden, Annie Walker, Ina yes, Sharples. Exactly. Absolutely. We were doing our Obit of the Year thing yesterday, yeah. me and Sandy, we were recording. Cheery. Oh, yeah, we, we like to do cheery shows, you know. <laughs> but, but we were talking about Honor Blackman as well, mm. and the early Avengers. But saying that when people say that strong female characters weren't on television in the 60s and 70s, then what you think, th- well... Coronation Street was knocking it out of the park every yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. That so although a lot of my background is in medical drama, police drama, mm. and those things, I could I could do those things. Yeah. I couldn't do EastEnders. I was not good enough. Did that come from your own background? or? I'm a nurse by trade. Right. A psychiatric nurse. I can, um, right. as D- Douglas Adams would say, I could work out your personality problems to six decimal places. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, I, I left nursing. I'll leave you on the line. <laughs> I, I left nursing in 2001 to become a full-time right. writer. But yeah, I'm, I'm a fully trained nut nurse. I've mm. even got uh, letters after my name. I've got RMN oh, right. after my name, and, and that means registered mental nurse. So I yeah. am registered mental. <laughs> Not regimental. That's something no, no, completely no. different. Though. No, no, no. I've, he does the military dramas. I've just got letters after my name that prove right. that I am actually mental. So how, how many years have you been working as a nurse? Yeah, early 87 to 2001. Was writing a leap in the dark? Or, or no, no, no. I've I've have a safety net. No, no, I've always, I've always written. Yes. From when I was 16, my mum and dad bought me um, a typewriter because I, I loved writing. I, I loved writing at school. I loved writing stories. I loved making stuff up, hmm. Your Honour. And... Uh, <laughs> And and basically, I I just wanted to write. The, the catalyst for for it, there were two catalysts. Mm-hmm. When I was about seven, I was I was taken to somebody else's class at my my infant school, or mm-hmm. junior school, can't remember which one. And somebody had written out a script to Star Trek, an episode of Star Trek, and it was on the mm-hmm. wall, and it was in handwriting, and it was just I'd never seen a script before, and it was absolutely right. amazing. I mean, they may have copied right. it. I mean, it was, it, this was you know back in the midst of time, so I doubt yeah. they, mm. I doubt they had a video recorder. No. This is before DVDs or videos, and they'd, they'd written their own Star Trek script, and I thought that's, that's really, and I, 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 you know, I'd seen storybooks and mm. I'd seen books, but I'd never seen a script before, and that was that, I thought that's a really interesting way to tell it. So even though when I was seven, it hit me as something. That's different and that's interesting. And then a few, mm. then spin forward a few years later, I wrote a story which ended up in the um, in the school magazine. I suppose I was about ten at this point. It was just right. before I went up to um, secondary school. Yeah. And uh, I wrote this this story and it was in the school magazine and I forgot about it. And then one day my teacher um, said, Mister Mr. Um, Bain, that was his name. Mister Bain uh, wants to see you. Bain of his, your life. Yes. Wants to see you in his class. Okay. And I said, and this terrified me because Mr. Bang was the nastiest, most cruel, horrible <laughs> teacher in the school. And I thought yes. maybe I'd done something wrong. Maybe maybe right. I've been caught. 
at yeah. last. So I went into it, and his was the was the least rowdy class in the school. You go mm. in, and all of the kids, you know, are sitting there quiet. They, you know, they dare not say a word. And so um, I went into his class, and it was totally silent. And, I, and he called me up to the the thing, and he said, "Turn around, boy, face the class." And I mm. faced the class, and he said, "This is the boy who wrote that story I read to you this morning." And they all started applauding. Oh right! It was amazing. <laughs> I, was just, I wasn't expecting it at all. I just they they all loved it, and and that was that was the thing I yeah. think that where I made the connection between writing and you know writing to to yeah. please an audience. Yes, I often you know when I tell this story to other people, I, I often said I've been chasing that applause again for the rest <laughs> of my life because that really made an impression on me. It really right. you know because I thought I was going there to be you know told off or <laughs> slippered because you know back yes. in the time you could still be slippered oh yes um yes. At, at school that was and uh but yeah no, they all applauded and it was like i just couldn't believe it I, it was the most up to up to that age it was the most amazing thing that had ever happened to me and that mm. stuck with me ever since mm. so that's and so writing has always been a a thing that i've done in various things I, I, right. and i won the basildon writer of the year when i was 16 which was a uh, 16 or 17 which was mm. a a um... prestigious sorry what sounds prestigious well it's basildon it's you know it's yeah but you know, <laughs> i mean in, in terms of you know <laughs> someone run... who's never written anything that ever got an award for anything yeah. <laughs> well it was, it, it was it was run by the council and then you got right, your yes. story printed in the eden echo which was our, uh, our local paper okay so that that happened and then when i left school uh, instead of going to sixth form um yeah. i went to drama tech in south end right. and i you know i learned how to act and so I was dealing. You, I was going to ask you about that whether you actually sort of had a desire to perform from that experience. I've always, I, I've always been a show-off, Martin. That's that's true. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. But no, I you know I, I fancied you know if I could I'd become a stand-up comedian or right. an actor or a writer or something like. That. So going there and, and spending two years there and getting my my diploma in drama mm. was was really good. And of course when I left drama school it was when it was before unemployment became fashionable and mm. um you know the tories were in and i was you know i, I was one of the the three million uh, and of course there was no that would have been mid 80s because i, well, cause early, I know exactly what 80s, you're talking yeah, about yeah early 80s that was and i left drama tech and i couldn't get a job you know i mean most actors are out of work um most of their life anyway so so what i did was uh, obviously I, I did the next best thing and became a nurse <laughs> like you like you do so yeah I, it's, I, it's a I, leap um, but I still carried on writing. Right. And then it was Doctor Who, really, that I got together with a friend in the sort of late 90s. Yes. And we started making Doctor Who audio stories. Okay. Which um, have just recently, uh, not by me, but have just recently appeared on, on YouTube. Somebody's found them and put them up on YouTube, which was nice. Okay. And from that... Are these uh, prose stories or... Oh, no, 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 no. Full cast audios. Done a script. Yeah, full, right. okay. full cast audios. Yeah, we, we, um, we recorded um, The Prophet of Doom. Uh, right. which I wrote, and then uh, The House of Pain, which I wrote, and then The Stockbridge Terror, what mm -hmm. I wrote. And then from that, we managed to get some pro work. So I started, um, Steve and I both started working for Bill Baggs with right. BBV. And so I was writing, to, so, so that's when the... You're actually writing and getting paid for it. Getting paid for the first time. And then mm -hmm. that takes us through to 2001, I guess. So I've been mm. a nurse for 15 years, 14 years. And uh, I then... I broke into television, so I was very lucky to break mm -hmm. into television. I had my first Doctor Who book published at the same time. So then, uh, after about a year after that, I was I was able to go full time pro and you know give right. up the nursing. So, but writing wow. has always been the thread. I'm always impressed by people who can actually see something when they're that age and know that's what they want to do and achieve it. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I know it might be a roundabout route, but you got there. By the time the early 90s, I was married, I had a son, mm-hmm. and, you know, I had to have a career and I had to have a way of earning money. So, you know, yes. you, could, you can't, you, you know, you couldn't just give up work and, and not have income. So it was. I was lucky in respect that I was able to break into television when I did. Mm. But th- that was a was, th- that was crazy as well. There's a crazy story behind mm. that as well. Most people that I know who have broken into television took them years and years and years and years. Mm. It took me six weeks. I de- <laughs> no, 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 true. Honestly, I decided okay. that I was going to break into television. And I did. Right. And what I did, well, I, I just had this crazy idea. What I did was I wrote, I invented a soap opera in my head, right? Mm. And so I wrote a medical-themed episode of it, a half-hour medical-themed episode. I right. wrote a half-hour police-themed episode, and I wrote mm. a half-an-hour Christmas-themed episode. Right. And I sent them off. I, I, these three scripts, they took me about three weeks to write mm. and i and i sent them off to ev- back then you could there, there was no bbc writers room you, the, no. what there were there were script units around for, for everywhere and they would take unsolicited scripts and yes. so i i sent off these three scripts to everywhere that you could possibly i got a copy of the uh, writers and artists yearbook and i think i blagged mm-hmm. a few addresses and i i sent them off and then within three weeks i had the archers family affairs Okay. And doctors saying right. they'd like me to do test scripts for them <sighs> within, within two two and a half weeks. I just couldn't believe this. Had you had any writing sort of training? No, no, I've I've had no training. I did Martin. I didn't even go to university. I, you know, I'm a trained nurse. Mm. That's the only thing. It's the only mm. training I've ever done. I've got a um, I've got a CSE in English. That's it. Uh-huh. That's it. I've got one uh, O level in drama. I've mm-hmm. got no A levels or anything mm. like. That. I've got a diploma in drama. I've got right. one O level and I've got my nursing qualification, which is yeah. the equivalent of three A levels. I think that's that's what the equivalent is. Anyway, so basically I got the Archers, Family Affairs and Doctors. Mm. I did a test script for Archers, which they didn't mm. like, and so they never, never again. Family Affairs, mm. they quite liked it, but didn't think I was good enough. And Doctors mm. took me on. And I, mm-hmm. I ended up doing 17 or 18 Doctors, I think. Over the course of a couple of years? Or yeah, yeah, over, the... uh, between yeah. 2001 and 2005. Right. And from Doctors, that led to Casualty, and mm. Casualty uh, and Doctors led to The Bill as well, because the producer mm. from Doctors, Carson Black, went and took over The mm. Bill. Um, so I went there, mm-hmm. uh, he took us with it and then I was headhunted from casualty to go to mm. EastEnders but the words you were writing must have been leaping off the page to attract that kind of well I, I, I hope so I wrote I wrote a couple of casualties which they all thought were really I mean they, they were they were knocked out by them they were yeah. they, they really were and it was um I got a lot of good f- feedback from the production crew about the casualties that I wrote they were very mm. pleased with them and then there were there were two things that happened then life caught up with me so so two right. things happened uh, one i got bogged down with a casualty script and um i didn't leave the house uh, i lived on my own at the time i didn't leave the house mm-hmm. speak to another person except by telephone or eat something that wasn't uh, delivered by a spotty boy on a moped for, for two you, weeks you were living now then for, for t- yes yes i was i was in lockdown before it was fashionable darling. <laughs> you invented it uh, yes i invented it um and so that's not good for your mental health no and then my mum uh, died mm. that was quite difficult that was a difficult time and within mm. a year my dad had died as well mm. um so you know I, I had these two big 
deaths. This was yeah, 2005, 2006. And so I, I, the, the writing kind of dried up then, and mm. I didn't want to do it uh, anymore. So I, I, I went back to running well, health services yeah. for a charity and did mm. that for a few years before, again, I decided, no, writing is what I want to do, and, you know, mm. so I'm back doing it again. You sometimes find that you actually, when you're going through that kind of trauma, you actually sort of bounce back to what you know, don't yeah, you? That's the yeah, thing. I, yeah, I, I, I did. It was, a, it was a difficult time. I wasn't... I mm. wasn't and your confidence aware. goes as well, yeah. doesn't it? That's yeah. the other thing. I, I wasn't 100% when it came to your, your mental health. There was, there was probably, mm. you know, a bit of depression there. and you know, quite understandable. Because, uh, yes. obviously, the isolation of, of... One of the things professional writers might tell you is that the isolation is quite difficult. It is, mm. you know, because it's just you and the Lonely screen. profession, yeah. And it is, it is, it, it can be difficult. So, so I treat mm. myself a lot better now as well. I don't mm. do things like, you know, I, I wouldn't do that again. Uh, even though I am no. obviously in lockdown now, but obviously I've, I've got my other half here with me and the dogs and mm. what have you. So it's it's so it's the, not so the work-life balance thing that yes, people so, talk yeah, about. I, I, I try very hard to finish by six o'clock at night and have mm. the evenings to myself and watch some mm. telly, watch some rubbish telly, and switch off the phone. Switch and off all the that phone. Kind of yeah. Thing. Well, I try. I try to. It's, it's not always possible, especially with deadlines and things. But yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, and I realise I'm very fortunate. I get to work in a job that I kind of enjoy. You know, there's there's no nasty people being you know breathing down my neck. Mm. There's there's no foreman. There's no clocking in, clocking out. Yeah. I've done all that. Don't don't get me mm. wrong. I've, and I've worked minimum wage. I'm sure you've had your fair share yeah. of people sort of tearing your work up as well and going. That's the thing. You've you've got to be prepared for that as a writer. Mm. One of the things with a casualty, right? This is this is a, this is a brilliant story mm -hmm. and absolutely true, right? Absolutely true. So I'm writing this. I, I came up with this this idea that um, there would be a rock star in a hotel and two of his fans would steal one of the window cleaner cradles and go down and try and get pictures of him through his window, right? So okay. I'm writing away and this is all signed off. And, it's a, and then apparently Mal Young, I, I mean, I, I never spoke to Mal Young about this particularly. He was the he was the big, you know, head of BBC drama mm. at the time. Uh, he said, we should get Neil Diamond for this. <laughs> right? <laughs> So, right. So this okay. is this is the message that comes like we're we're trying to get Neil Diamond to do this, and I went okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so we'd like you to write it for Neil Diamond. So all right, did it every right, and then apparently somebody said, "Tell you what, Neil Diamond, he's a bit old. He's a bit, uh, <laughs> he's a bit, you know, he's, he's not down with the kids, you know. Mm -hmm. Tell you what, I can get you busted." <laughs> <laughs> I think it was busted. I, I honestly I can't remember which which uh, who it was. Yeah. So in the end, yeah. they were actually in the episode tonight on Casualty. So, so I had to write it for them, and it was uh, you know the point of this story is that TV is a completely collaborative medium. Yeah. Uh, unless you're you know a really really powerful writer like your Jed Mercurios, mm. who can you know who can write anything he wants, or or, mm. or so much your, your Stephen Moffats, they can mm. write pretty much whatever they want mm -hmm. you are the slave to 17 people all chipping yes. in you know i know you do these these fabulous cartoons martin mm. and it's just you who does those cartoons mm. it's just you who you know puts them out and you are totally responsible 100 percent for your cartoons but imagine if there were 17 people in a brains trust telling you exactly what to do and tv is like that the one thing that that took that experience oh, yeah. taught me is not to be precious about anything i write if 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 somebody's paying me, I will do everything mm. I can to make sure. Yeah, what they're saying is, is you. They say 
jump you say how high but it means i'm not at all precious about what i what i write i'm not um i'm not wedded to it or proprietor or i try not to be proprietor Mm. i'll fight my corner if i think i'm right but you you can't be proprietorial about it yeah well no well you can and then they'll just fire you and get somebody else because the one thing about working in the creative industries there's a million people out there who are not earning who will who want to earn and you know you they're they're your competitors Mm. yeah yeah. Well, you only have to look at yeah. film credits to know that, that, that from a story by, from Absolutely. an original idea by... I mean, by... Um, Dick Clements and Ian Lafreno, I don't know if you know this, they made an absolute fortune mm. from script doctoring, putting the jokes and, and doing and not and not be, not even being credited, mm. even though they were Dick Clement and Ian Lafreno and they'd done Porridge and they'd done Like Lads and all of that, mm. they did a load of work in Hollywood. Dennis Potter, who is you know, probably my favourite mm. TV writer and probably favourite writer of all time, he made most mm. of his money mm. writing scripts that never got made in Hollywood. Yes. Dennis Potter did the script for Gorky Park. Yes, that's so right. Yes. He worked in Hollywood, and mm. the majority of the scripts that he did for people never got made, but he made an awful lot of money. That's where most of his money comes. Because you don't make a lot of money working for the BBC. Mm. You know, you don't. You don't. So, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few people who do. And, you know, even back in, 19, in 2005, when I was writing Casualty... The finished script of about mm. 13,000 words yeah. worked out that I was paid a pound per word. But it took mm. three and a half months and 10 drafts. Right. So it's not, yeah, I may have ended up with 13 yes. grand at the end of it, but that yes. was for three months' work and not a lot of time to do anything else. And that's before yeah. tax and before yeah. your agent. All, and, all of that stuff. Yeah, so you say, what? There's scripts. Look at this. Pound a word. That's not bad going, is it? Pound a word. But. You've probably written, mm. you know, a qu- quite a few. Yeah. No, I think it is interesting that because you often look at mm. people's sort of IMDb listing or whatever, and you think how how did they make a living when there's only sort of one script a year? And you, yeah, you probably they just assume well they probably didn't, or they were they had to do oh, yeah. all the other things and, and, go, and ghostwriting as well because a lot of what I do now is ghostwriting. My name doesn't get on it. I get paid for mm. writing it. I don't get paid mm. residuals and things like that. No, but I think there's something incredible. I still believe, and I know, I know it is that I'm always mm. amazed that telling a story just through the words people say is an absolute I don't, skill. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'm quite good at it, I think. I'm, I'm quite good at writing scripts, and mm. I wish I could get paid more to write more scripts. Um, I, don't, I, I like mm. writing prose. Writing prose is okay. The books I'm mm. writing at the moment, the things are in. But the best thing I've had a chance to write this year, although the books I'm writing at the moment mm. are, are, are definitely from my idea, and I and, and, and you know I, I feel very close to them. I got commissioned uh, late last year to write four children's audio plays for audible right. which are um we just we're just wait i've written the four scripts now and we're just waiting for the go ahead from audible to say that they're okay and then next mm. year i if all goes to plan i'll turn those four scripts into four children's books which which is which right. is great but getting to write scripts again i when i when i started writing the first script of this quartet and i actually sat down and opened up final draft and i thought oh mm. man i'm writing scripts again it's been such oh it's been <laughs> such a long time i love writing scripts i really mm. really do if yeah. i could just you know i'd do it for nothing if the, you know if the fridge yeah yeah if, if you didn't if, have to if, make if a the living the fridge <laughs> filled up automatically honestly i do <laughs> I, I love writing scripts. I, I adore it. And writing mm. these four scripts, and I wrote all four of them. Um, in uh, well, the first one mm. I started just before lockdown happened, and then I wrote all four of them up until I think I finished the fourth one in September. 
And so mm. hopefully uh, Audible won't have too many changes for me and the company right. that I'm doing them for to make. And then they'll be out next year and hopefully they'll be a massive success. Because so although a lot of the stuff that I've done recently has been ghostwriting, these will have my name on. Mm. which is a nice yeah. thing. Like the books I'm writing at the moment, they will have my name on as well. So that, You've got control yeah. over those as well, and, 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 they, and they are, they're identified with you, yeah, and they yeah, sort of yeah. belong I, to you, I, and therefore they are your thing. Do you, uh, do you like writing for audio? I mean, is uh, it... Audio, yes. Because I mean, that's, that... that's a completely different skill, isn't it? Really? It is, and it can be done really badly. A lot of people... And, and I listen, I, obviously, I listen to a lot of audio, and I cringe mm. sometimes at how bad the writing... You know, maybe I'm just a snob. <laughs> I don't know, I cringe some uh, uh, how bad some of the writing is. And it's not mm. a difficult idea to get... Well, I don't think it's a difficult idea to get your head about, but mm. you hear people, the characters, describing the scene around them. Mm. And, you know, there's a, there was a brilliant... You may, have, you may know this, but there was a years ago, there was a brilliant radio play that was written that was written to be a bad radio play and it's called the gun in, <laughs> it's called the gun in my left hand is loaded right and it's full of everything that you shouldn't do in a radio play if you, it's, it's, it's out there on the internet somewhere you know mm. funny have a listen to it because it's it's full of all the all the things that should never happen in radio which is basically characters describing the situation to other mm. people in the same room that they're in yes. who know what the situation is so it's about <laughs> it's about the skill it's about mm the writers being able to smuggle out exposition like professionals mm. and if they can't do that i switch off it really is mm. and there are some radio plays which are absolutely amazing really well mm. done and you wouldn't know that you were being expositioned to yes. because it comes out so, there has to be a certain amount of exposition there has to yeah. be uh, and you can you can always tell the writers who either don't grasp that fact that that's what they're supposed to be doing or mm. don't care yeah. so do you ever get the feeling that you could move over into script editing perhaps um i i don't think my maybe maybe i mean i have edited mm. scripts obviously i've edited yeah. um uh, other people's scripts for you know mm. in, a, in an amateur thing but it's it's i well, there were two things martin and i'll be honest mm. with you my face doesn't fit because i didn't go to university and i'm not you know i'm not middle class enough um, mm. my politics are a bit to the left mm -hmm. you know to the left of lenin really <laughs> To be um, honest, I think these days anybody feels a bit left well, to what's yeah, going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I think whenever I've been in situations, so, so, you know, I, I loved working for the BBC, loved it, mm -hmm. really adored it. But the number of quinoa-eating, right. bright young things straight out of university mm. that they seem to employ, I, I suppose it's the interns uh, thing. The gods and monsters. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's because the interns really, you know, working class kids don't get chances to be interns because they have mm. to go and get a yes. job, you know, and so you don't, you, I never met many people in the BBC who were like me, who came from the mm. same sort of background as me. I've got a very good friend, a, a very good writer uh, called Siobhan Curum, and she's mm -hmm. been very, very successful. She's just ghosted um, Craig Revel Horwood's first novel, okay. um, and she won't mind me saying that because she, she said it on her thing, and she's, she's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writer, really, really, really good, and she's the only other person, and she said the same to me that we, you know we when we first met and we talked about our backgrounds she's the only writer or very few writers i've met who've come from a similar background not you mm. know I, I came from a working class family my dad worked in a in a factory my mum cleaned mm. offices you know we lived in a council house my dad mm. never had a car never we never owned a house when i was growing up mm. we you know i was 
I was, I was never, you know, I was never starving or anything like that. Mm. But I, you know, I came from a very, very working class background, mm. uh, which I'm very proud of, and I still consider myself to be working class, even though I, I work in a more, you know, the professional arena, uh, you know, mm. writing and things like that. And so my experience of the me of the media world, the media bubble, the M E E E E E E D J A <laughs> bubble. Yeah. is that there are not many people in it like me. Yeah. And that's I think that's a problem. I really, really I think it's I it's really fascinating do. to me that some of the the great writers of of previous generations yeah. actually also came from similar backgrounds. Yes. I mean people like you know Alan Bennett yep. going to Cambridge from his background, yep. you know, to a certain extent. It's yeah. almost like you had to fight against the system to be able to survive in it. For me, people like McGovern and Bleasdale, mm. um, who who have made some of the very best television that there has ever been. Mm. So they had a finger in that working class yes. world, even though, mm. like me, you know, I'm, I actually no, I don't mean like me. I'm not like them. I'm a mm. writer like them, mm. but I'm not like them in terms of my skill or, or anything like yeah. that. You know, they, they still had a connection to that world, and I think that I think that's a thing that's missing from the media world. There's far too much. Far too many middle class people in it. That's you know. I've said, there you go. I've said it now. You could argue it's the same in politics as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. it's it's there are too many professional politicians. There are probably too many professional media folk and yeah. people who go to journalism school. Yeah, perhaps. No. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I I don't want to come over as if I'm resenting it. I mean, because I've done okay. <laughs> no. I've done I've done okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I've done okay in spite of my background, not because of it. I I, I very rarely meet people in the media world who didn't go to university, mm. and that can't be right. I would argue a lot of the sort of telly we get reflects that as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, sometimes the people who are commissioning haven't a clue what people want to see. I've made a list of the programmes you might want to talk about, and one of the mm. programmes that, that I do want to talk about comes yeah. from a completely different left-field thing. It's, it's the best thing I've seen in a long while, a thing called um, I May Destroy You. I don't know if you've seen mm, it. Not, not so far. It's, it's, it's the best thing that's been on television this oh. year by Michaela Cole, I think her name mm -hmm. is. Okay. It's a genuinely exciting experience mm. uh, to see people from these communities, they're you know, like the black professional mm. and working class communities, uh, you know, young 20-somethings, and mm. it's a bunch of black people, and none of them are thugs or gangsters. And, mm. and it was it was just so refreshing. And it was it was a lovely thing. But even then, it, it you know, the, 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 I could criticise it from coming from a middle class perspective mm. in terms of its, its sheen and its showing what's good and what's not good. Mm. But it's great to see something coming from a different mm. direction. So that that would be my pick for to tell people to watch. Mm. It's I think it's still on iPlayer. Uh, tell mm. people to watch of a, of a great TV program of today because great mm. telly is still being made. You know, I, I know yes. I know a lot of people I, I talk to and I and I see it quite often again. Oh, telly's not like it used to be. It was much better <laughs> back in the seventies or the eighties, uh, mm. and it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a load of dreck on in the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what I'm wading through at the moment. I'm a lot of old television that yes. nobody else would ever want to see. But, you know, you do find the, You're the doing diamonds it so amongst we, So that we don't have to. You, you take like a that. month for the team. Well, you see, the interesting thing, again, is this: the people who object, you know, they say, oh, all this diversity or all this political correctness or whatever. And you just kind of think, yeah, but that's the world you live in. You've yeah. got to reflect the world. You can't just say, I want to see people like me on the telly. No. You, know, you want to see people that reflect the whole of whole, the society you live in. There's hopefully. not enough fat middle-aged blokes with beards on the telly. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, what, I, that's what I think. I'm, I'm going to write fat middle-aged bloke EastEnders.
Doctor Who with fat middle-aged Oh, it'll probably come one day. Yeah. Or, we, or we've already had it. One or yeah, day. yeah, yeah. But, uh, so uh, what is it that floats your boat? TV-wise. So would you like to write the great political drama or the great thriller or the great horror film? I mean, what if you had an ambition as a writer, what would you, you really sort of want to say, oh, I'd, I'd like to write the definitive one of those? Oh, that's a really good question, Martin. That's really good. I don't know. I I like to think, and this is this is something that I have cultivated in myself that I can turn my hand to most things. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I always tell starting out writers is write outside your box for a while. Mm. Try write things that you're not comfortable with. Write outside your, mm. your comfort zone. Uh, which is why this year I'm writing. I've been writing. I'm on my third western of the year at the moment. I'm writing. Did you have a, a liking for westerns? I've, I've all, I, I love western movies mm. and I love you know spaghetti westerns and I've. Mm. I've uh, and I've I've read a few westerns in my time, um, but the opportunity came up to write some, and I grasped it. Even though it's not my, you know, a, I'm not American. Yes. I've never written historical stuff before. Yes. Um, but I had the opportunity to write some westerns, and here I, I am. I still think what The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is one of the greatest oh. films ever made. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, 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 it's a stupendous film. In terms of your question, though, hmm. I don't know which genre I'd like to do it in, but hmm. I would like to be able to write something that had the impact of a Boys from the Black Stuff or a GBH or a Chernobyl. Mm. Something that actually has an impact that That that, people will be talking about in 20 years time going do you remember that i I, you know i I, i'd love to be able to to be that good event not no it does say you call it event television but it's not really is it it's memorable yeah fundamental sort of cornerstone telly i mean a bit like potter i mean singing detective is is a masterpiece oh no of course it is and that's on my list as well that's on my Mm. list of desert island telly Mm. but i i would like to be able to write something that catches the moment Mm. and that's i think that's the thing Mm. you know boy from the black stuff caught the moment gbh mm. caught the moment mm. i think chernobyl is up there mm. so the perfect the, lockdown drama <laughs> yeah yeah that has something to say mm. but says it in a way that is meaningful to people that, that connects to people mm. like you know we talked about those great characters yossa hughes yeah there's a great character mm. it doesn't matter so much the political arena that he's in it's that character mm. the confluence of bleasdale's creation Mm. and Bernard Hughes mm. creating something that will live forever mm. you know he's Josh Hughes is a is a Sherlock Holmes is yeah. a Doctor Who mm. he he really is even though that program was what 1982 83 mm. all those years ago you can still say yeah. Giss a job but yes indeed <laughs> Sandy yeah, yeah. Is, is a big fan of uh, black stuff I've got it in front yeah. of me he keeps telling me I've got to sit and watch it again I don't think I've seen it in a very long time so oh man it's it's the greatest thing mm. it really is it's it's up there it's uh, just magnificent <laughs> and perfect mm. in its application it, 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 I can't you know I, yeah. I love do you think black stuff. though that in in the current class you know this very polarized society we seem to be in yes. at the moment do you think that kind of drama can i mean i'm not saying you could write a drama that could knit the two halves back together again but do you think there's something that can appeal now because it, people they seem to either absolutely hate or absolutely love something and then they seem to yeah. absolutely hate or absolutely love the people who don't like what they like yeah i think i think social media's done mm. that i think the press have made a very good job of pitting left against right 
yes. and, and, open, and, and opening old up against you. young and young. Yes, and oh yeah, and all of that. But the algorithms of, of social media have mm. made it worse yes. by putting us into silos because the algorithms only send stuff to you that mm. that's like what you've liked. I, I do already. think that somehow E.M. Forster was terribly prescient with us all sitting in our bubbles and ranting yes. at the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I do. So th- I think the time is right. I've got something in development at the moment, which is, mm. you know, whether anything will come come from it or not, it's called Sides, uh, mm. or it will be called Sides, and it is about the miners' strike in right. uh, in, the, in the 80s, mm. but it's about a policeman who was from mm. Yorkshire, who, who went to live in London, became a metropolitan policeman, mm. and is sent back to police mm. the miners' strike. So trying to... It comes from Jim McGovern, right? It comes, mm. it comes from Jim McGovern. Jim McGovern always said, when you're writing something, put the best arguments in the mouths of the characters you disagree with. And it, that's the route to understanding mm. something. So I, I always thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to tell the story of the minor strike mm. from the point of view of mm. one of the policemen? And so that's in development at mm. the moment. Science is in development. Whether or not it'll, the people were liking yeah. it before... before we, we went uh, through Flannery's Our Friends in the North a few months ago. Yes. And the Miner's Strike episode of that is a gut punch. It really is. Mm. Yeah, it was. I mean, and obviously, and I, I, you know, I, was, I was unemployed at the time. I, I mm. really... Okay, I really related um, to it, yeah. Yeah, I really relate to it, and, and I'm a really, um, I'm a left-wing firebrand at the end of the day. I, re- I really am, you know, in that classic cliche. But being a writer, you have to force yourself to put yourself into other people's heads. You mm. have to force yourself to empathise. See the other point so, of view, yes, absolutely. And absolutely. So even though I, I would claim that I don't understand now working-class mm. Tories... I just don't, I just don't get it at all. You'd have to write the words I, that I they would, would have say. To, I would have to, you know, I'd, I, you know, if if I was writing about a working class Tory, yes, I would have to make to make him believable and not a caricature. I'd have to understand why people of the working class vote Tory mm. and why they don't vote Labour. Mm. And I, you know, is as a writer, that's really difficult. But you have to do it. You have to be able to do it. You have to try. Yes. Otherwise, your characters just won't ring true. Mm. There's no point in me writing something from the miners' point of view. Mm. That's easy. That's easy for me mm. because I believe I believe they were right. I believe mm. that they were wronged. I believe that Thatcher destroyed them out of revenge mm. for bringing down the government i believe all of that mm. so that's easy to mm. write that's that's easy to do it from the point of yes. view of a policeman um that's that's a whole other whole other difficulty there's yeah. an interview isn't there with warren mitchell where people used to go up to him and go all oh, right and, and tell him how how great yeah. alf was and how they agreed with everything well so he said yeah the thing about alf is he's basically taking the piss out of <laughs> people like you <laughs> again that, that's true that is true. Mm. He he was you know spate was you know till death us do part was a treatise on mm. racism, and you know mm. Alf he hardly ever won. He he, he was mm. you know his daughter or or his wife, they were the winners mm. in that. But you know people just take away from stuff. So again, if I'm writing about a policeman in the miners' strike. Which I which I hope to do if we, we can get this to take off. I have to be really careful. Yes. I have to be really careful that mm. he doesn't become a totem of the right, mm. but becomes you know like like Alf became a totem of the right. Mm. Um, mm. You have to, you just have to be really careful as a writer, I think. But it's uh, people are complicated things and characters yeah. therefore have to be complicated yeah. things as well. Do you find though? Because oh, I was I know we were talking about the Western. And everything yeah. Like that. Do you find having your own just setting out to write a book means you can do the 
explore these things that maybe you won't get commissioned to well to it's, it's one of the things i've been ghost writing for the last few years i haven't done any this year but for about four years before that i was writing for a british company that does uh, books in america uh, about uh, a thing called prepper fiction now preppers are those guys who believe that the apocalypse is coming and they uh, you know they do all their preparation they have all their guns yes they have their shelters they have all their food and they have a machine guns and, and tin cans yes but i had a great time writing those books because again i had to think myself into a a mindset that i don't have mm. and that, that again to write about characters who were uh, i tried not to make them the characters in it too right wing and you know and, and killing everything you know yeah. my character I, I would make sure my characters if they killed somebody would feel bad about it afterwards <laughs> uh, i just i did make sure i did make sure you know of, of things like that but that was again that was a really useful exercise in understanding mm. the other side and I, we all you know, need I, to do it then we all yeah, need to walk th- in I someone else's so. shoes once in a while it's the same way when people sort of slag off the migrants or what have yeah. you and you think no you yeah. need to understand why they're in that boat yeah not just say sink the boat Exactly. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. But if I was playing devil's advocate, I'd also say we Mm. also have to understand them about Mm. why they think that. And it's and it's too easy to say, oh, they're stupid, or they're they're idiots, or they're nasty racists, because you know, not all not all of them are. Seventy-two million people voted for Trump three weeks ago. Yeah, not all of them are. No, not all of them are stupid. No, Uh, and I and I think the mistake we I've read I read a very good book recently by a guy called Thomas Frank mm. and it's called Listen Liberal and it's about American politics but it's about it's uh, an exploration of why the Democratic Party lost the working class vote to Trump mm. which they did right and it wasn't just because the you know that they were stupid or racist or mm. idiots or any of that it's because the Democratic Party became the uh, party of liberal professionals mm. your lawyers your doctors your yeah. managers your, your mm. all of those people and they left the working class mm. behind the guacamole and the bakers and yeah, the and the absolutely. and the gentrification yeah all all, all of that mm. and and it's a really interesting but i didn't agree with all of the book no i didn't i didn't agree with all of it but it's we have to understand yeah. why the working class have left mm. the left and like they did, uh, you know, up in the north. Uh, what part of the north are you in Yorkshire? I'm in Derbyshire, but yeah. Derbyshire. So, a bit, you know, mm. where you are and further north, mm. a lot of the, you know, the, the working wall. class have yeah. left the left. Yeah. It's, they it's, have. It's, it's extremely uh, fascinating because, yeah. because in the end, what you, you can never quite grasp is that cause and effect, if you like, the, the actual effect doesn't then lead to a different effects yeah. if you see what i mean people don't no, look no, at absolutely. it and go hmm, i did that last time i'm not doing that again no and you know the uh, for whatever however much whatever i feel about mm. the conservative government and let me just say it's i, I wouldn't use the word highly <laughs> um, there are a lot of people who were happy to, to give it. them their vote yeah. and we had and, we, and it's not it's no good just saying oh they're stupid and racist no. we have to understand that we do, mm. we do because, because the only way you're going to ever change that point view i mean i've often said to people that i don't i don't think it's easy to ever you know when people rant on yeah. facebook twitter you're not going to change somebody's mind just by disagreeing with them on twitter well you, c- you can't change anybody's mind if your initial premise is they're an idiot yeah you're not going to you know. and so you you actually have to it's always like 
you know, actions, not words, if you yeah. see what I mean. You have to see and you have to go, you have to wear, it's like an alcoholic, you have to actually suddenly realise it for yourself. Absolutely. You know? I think w one thing I can say that I, I'm going to try and do going forward, because I didn't necessarily mm. do all, do this in, in the years preceding, is try and act like a writer in my real life in trying to empathise mm. and understand the characters that are saying the things that I don't believe in. Mm. Because you know if we just if we if it's just us over here and them over there we're mm. gonna get i've nowhere. been an absolute pain in the ass at dinner well, I, 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 mm. I haven't been to a dinner party in years but when <laughs> I, I used to sit down with people and just i think i'd just try and just prick the pomposity sometimes and, yeah and used to get me into all sorts of trouble <laughs> well yeah you know, I, but I, I, it's I'm... just to prick the bubble a bit you know it, it's I, difficult to you sometimes have to be devil's advocate don't you, you know? well yeah you do i mean and, and i'm never i'm never going to give up my socialist principles no. i'm never but one of the things i think we have to do is is try to understand and try mm. and find some balance and you know we can't just go on mm. hating each other so um i read your book yesterday you did <laughs> did you read it all in an afternoon blimey it, did you get it's... the like the reader's digest version or <laughs> no 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 i got the kindle version <laughs> I, was I was terrified the batteries were going to run out it's a very old kindle <laughs> Seventy-two thousand words thank you so much for buying it i'm really really i'm really touched honestly it's, i really am. it's a great piece of work do you want to talk about it at all um yeah tell, sure tell us a bit yeah. of, of how it came into being because it it specifically what were you actually trying to because you start with a, you've got a central character who's a person with a disability. Yep, I have. Uh, basically, um, there were two. There were two drivers for it. Mm. Um, one, uh, one of the the best books I've ever read about writing and about writing scripts in particular is a thing by William Frug called Screenwriting Tricks of the Trade. Great book, and it's a very short book, and it's full of witty wisdom, and he says. You know the best scripts. You put your character up a tree and you throw rocks at him, and that's your, <laughs> and that's your story, right? You put him up a tree and chuck rocks at him, right? And so I thought to myself, what would be a really cool setup that I hadn't seen before, and what would be a really huge level of jeopardy? Mm. So I thought to myself, if I put somebody who was disabled, mm. who couldn't walk, mm. in a plane crash in the middle of the the Amazon jungle. Mm. And then see what happens. Right. Um, I thought that would be a cool thing. So that's mm -hmm. where the basic premise of Tree Face and the Cripple, mm. the the book, comes from. Mm. Um, I, you know, what was what was the worst situation I could think of? Right. What would be the worst situation that I would that that I could consider myself being and still mm. have a chance of surviving? Mm. Um, and so my main character is he's fifteen. Um, he was in a car accident with his dad. Mm. His dad was driving too fast in the rain. His dad walked away without a strat scratch, mm. and our main character uh, never walked again. Mm. Uh, and so they're on a uh, on a business trip, air quotes, mm. um, to um, South America to mm. see a guy called Carlos. Mm. And when they fly away from from this place, the uh, the plane crashes for mm. whatever reason. Mm. And then from there, Sam is. On his own hmm. um, for quite some time um, doesn't know and one of the things of survival books that I really hate or survival <laughs> stories that I really hate 
I've re- and I really hate it. And so everybody who seems to be in these survival books and survival stories knows exactly what to do, mm. right? They, you know, the, these, these authors put people into situations that they would find easy to survive because they know how to light a fire. They know how to catch what the What side fish. the moss grows on or whatever. They, yeah, 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 they, they yeah. know all of that stuff. Yeah. And Sam knows about football. <laughs> and that's it, really. Yeah. He's a teenager, not self-obsessed teenager, teenager yeah. who, who, who likes football. Yes. He's a teenager who likes football, and he's a bit of a racist prick as well. Yes. Um, so that's that's the other thing about him. He's a, he's a he's he's a bit of a racist mm. prick, and he's not a nice. I think when the book starts, mm. he's not a nice person. Mm. And I, you know, and you know, he goes on an emotional journey. Um, <laughs> journey. Uh, uh, he ding. goes on. An, he does go on an emotional journey. Yes. Um, and at the end of it, he's. I think he's a better yeah. person. Do you have any qualms about the terminology? That because I mean, there are terms in the book that might put people. Uh, you know, worry people. No, he he uses some very racist language in the book. Mm. He does, and that and that is deliberate. He mm. he uses it, but I I think he shows remorse. Mm. Uh, you know, oh yes, he, no, he does. I mean, this is again redemption, whatever. But the, he, he the interesting does. thing is, just putting those words on the page did it yeah. bother, bother you? Yeah. I, 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 listen, the the book is called Tree Face and the Cripple, mm. right? So from so you I must know, admit, there was, you I know mentioned the title in. at home, and someone uh, yeah. I live with sort of went, "It's called that." Yep. Yeah, I mean, and and that won't be, and I bet you that that's a white person with no disability who said that, mm. because cripple is a mm. word that the disabled community have tried to reclaim yeah, like, like the like others. the black community have tried to reclaim the n-word mm. okay I, I won't use it here for mm. sensibilities words but they've yeah. and and it's not for white people to no. use that word but but I, I don't want i don't want people to think and you you can back me up this it's not a book about politics it's not a book about mm. pc it's not no. a book about um that's that's there to teach you anything i think mm. it's just a rattling good yarn. yes absolutely but, i mean I, I mean the fact that, that i could say i can't sit down normally and, and, and you know read the book in in one sitting and i did yeah. yesterday and, and well, i know that part of it was because I, I knew i was going to talk to you so it would be yes. useful to know well, how the book unfolds but I, but it was very compelling the, the interesting thing to me about it is mm. considering your sort of screenwriting background is mm. i personally think you've written an unfilmable book <laughs> in a very cin- in a very cinematic way if you see what i, I mean. well yeah i mean uh, yes i think it is filmable i you know i i, I think I oh think i'm sure somebody I, could i mean most you know, of these things can be but what i think and one of the ideas bubbling away at the back of my head is i think it'd make a fantastic play mm. i really do i think it would make it you know because you, you wouldn't need the special effects and you could do you could do all of that i mean if you've ever seen you know shakespeare at the globe mm. you know that you can you can create anything uh, in people's imagination so i think it would make a really good mm. play but i'm i'm unutterably proud of it i really i really mm. am because i think it's i think it's on balance it's the best thing i've ever written and it's not a script mm. although mm. i tried to make it as visual as possible mm. i tried to to make it as believable as possible even though mm. there were you know when when you know without giving too much away but when sam gets an infection mm. and he starts to hallucinate and mm. things he hallucinates move the story i do the way i describe the hallucinations to myself and i was like a good musical right has songs mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not a fan of musicals but it has songs and the best musicals have songs that move the plot on mm. uh, and that that that's the way to tell a good musical well mm. the hallucinations and that sequence mm. that it goes through is about although it's it's quite wild and you know there's a lot of magic realism that's mm. going on in there i hope it moves the plot on i hope it moves mm. him on 
Mm. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a short. Well, book. I, I felt it's certainly the, the language to me. I mean, yeah. uh, sorry, so this is turning into book of the week, but <laughs> I, 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 I thought it book. was a very, very poetic. <laughs> Very poetic language. I mean, do you, you you obviously turn your hand, you know, script right, you know, to mm. sort of all all forms. But did you? Yeah. Did, was did the prose come easy to you? In that, yeah. Did I? Mm. Oh, I, I here it is. I'm going to say free flowing, like, isn't it? Very I'm going to sound an arsehole, right? I ran this out, but writing I find really easy. I can't fix your car, Martin. No. I can't, I could write. I can't about fix it. my I car either. Right. So that's. About I could, <laughs> I, but I could write about it. I yes. can do that, right? Mm. I can't fixed computers i can't mm. um you know i couldn't i couldn't really i mean i could i could read about it i couldn't tell you how you know i'm rubbish at wallpapering you know mm. i'm i i can write i can do that mm. i'm not always brilliant at it but yeah i the, the, the it took me it took there was a big break in the middle of writing Treeface mm. um because it, the, the kernel of it started about 2011 right. and i was i was writing maybe 2010 mm. actually I had the idea back then mm. and then there was a big gap mm. about seven years in the middle where I was writing other stuff and I was working mm. and you know it's one of those back burner things you know mm. you, you tend to have to work on the stuff you're being mm. paid for and then I had a in 2017 I had a really fallow year with the writing it was really it was a, it was a really terrible year yeah. and I earned very little money in 2017 mm. so I had some time to finish it and I and I mm. wrote and I finished the sort of the second I had about 20,000 words, I think, mm. um, when I came to it. And then I wrote the last 52,000, mm. I think, in about six right. weeks. And it all came, you know, I, it all came very quickly. Mm. You know, I knew, I, I, I knew where I was going with it. Mm. But it was, uh, yeah, there was an awful lot of improvisation in it as well. Mm. One of the things that you can't do when you're working in television is you can't improvise. Mm. You, you can't yeah. you can't suddenly you know drop in a hallucination or things yes. like that. One of the great things about Treeface was that I managed to to know where I was going, but mm. be able to improvise a lot. Mm. Um, I you know I'm unutterably proud of that book and mm. and uh, whether you know I'd, I'd like to see more people to buy mm. it. I'd like more people to read it, mm. and you know I'd, I hope that the you know a few people might be tempted well, to well, after this conversation will. if they don't think I'm you know a complete. No, we do. It does fascinate me actually because i the thing that strikes me again is that it's, it's so many disparate elements coming yeah. together and and yet they work you know yeah and I, th I, I, think I, so. do, I mean what was there a, a burning desire to write about those topics in any way shape or form or did they sort of come organically from it pretty much all came organically from what would you know you, you, all the best stories start with a what if right mm. so what if you were a paraplegic and you crashed in the jungle yeah. alone Mm. And, you know, what do you want to, you know, what I've got, you know, on the surface, I've got my story, I've got my, I've got my adventure survival story. Mm. Um, I've got that. What thematically did I want to do? Well, I, thematically, because I'm the kind of person I am, I want to talk about racism. I want mm. to talk about um, prejudice. Mm. I want to talk about disability. Mm. And I also wanted to, to make sure that the disabled characters because there there's another disabled character and mm. as you, as you, I don't want to talk too much mm. about Kit Kit. No, there, no. there is there is there is another disabled character in it. And and I wanted them to not look be, at them big eyes. Not to be yeah. defined mm. by their disabilities. Mm. And so that was that was important. It's, it's, it was important of me to tell the story more than anything mm. else. And to 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 get in some of the thematic chops 
that I that 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 I like. So it's it's you know it's a this is the first time I've actually talked to anybody about the book in this way. So uh -huh. it's 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 interesting t for me mm. to excavate my process and mm. and what. But I I knew yeah. So I've got I've got my kernel of idea, and mm. from that the things that interest me as a writer grew from it. Mm. So. You know the journey that Sam goes mm. on, the 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 idea, you know, the idea to go against all survival books, which mm. seem to have, you know, fill, filled with people who already have the skills mm. to survive. So there was there was that was a definite a definite. Mm. Uh, Is there anything I mean in your life that makes you able to to write about disability quite so effectively though? I mean, do, uh, well, I, uh, personal well, experience or anything? Well, well, I hope it's effective. Mm. No, I don't right. know anybody. Who is you know I I have a chronic illness myself mm. I'm a I'm a diabetic mm. which you know is is you know neither here nor it's there not, so it's I not the same yeah. but mm. but no I, it's not the same but I understand about the limitations yes. your physical health can put on your life yes. so there's you know and there are some you know there are some days you really really resent it you know when you can't eat what you want to eat or if you if you do eat that you know it's going to cause you issues and yes. so so you know there's nothing like being you know physically disabled like like somebody you know mm. whose legs don't work who has to you know yes. it's got a colostomy bag or who has to press their bladder to make yeah. the wee come out so there's none it, the, you know it's not like that but i kind of i can i kind of understand from a chronic illness point of view mm. what is what is up the fact you know, that you have to like, think about it all the yeah, time yeah all the think. time all the time so it's, it's so 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 no i don't know anybody mm. like sam in that i just respect. wondered if there was any sort of burning kind of, desire to to write a wrong or to talk about something no no no, no no not really no it's I, I just thought it was a really good i honestly just thought it was a really good story yes <laughs> i thought it was just a really i you know that's that's at the end of the day remember what i said about that class where they all clapped mm. I just want people to clap, yeah. I, you know. <laughs> and, and it's it's all ego. Well, <laughs> well I, I, no, I know what you mean. I think any, any no 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 no. I think any writer who says it's there's there's not a great chunk of ego in there is lying. I think we all want people to I, like I what we do. do. Anybody who does anything yeah. creative, you want somebody to say, "I like that." I think that yeah, that's absolutely. a basic need of the creative process. Even you know, well, if, if ninety percent of people are telling you it's rubbish, okay. But somebody, yeah. if somebody comes up and says, "I liked what you did there," you know. So yeah. I'd just like uh, to say, I, I liked what you did there, Paul. <laughs> Thanks, Lama. Honestly, when you when when you sent me that message, sorry, right, when you sent me that message the other day, that you said, "A, you'd read it and finished it, and you'd read it in an afternoon, and you liked it." Mm. Those were those are the four things that the best things you can tell uh, a writer, other than I've left you a review <laughs> on Amazon. I think you'll find I have. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's that's that's, that's, that's really great. So, um, Treeface and the Cripple. Yep. By Paul Ebbs is available basically wherever everywhere, you buy books. Everywhere. It's, you, can, you can buy it in paperback. You can buy it um, uh, uh, as an e-book. And I do believe, I do believe there's an audio book coming at some point. Wow. But um, I'm, I'm not sure about you that. You know who's reading it yet? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not involved in that. The publishers are involved in that. But uh, I think that, that there will be an audio book coming out. You know, just to self-promote, um, I will have um, three more books out early next year which are the, the westerns but they're weird mm -hmm. westerns it's a thing called bloodstone which is basically victor frankenstein's grandson is kidnapped and taken to a western town in 1850s california which is where the gold mine has been taken over by vampires <laughs> and 
and he's being he's forced to make monsters to wow. fight the vampires. So yeah, so there's there's three books in that series. The first one's written. Um, so the, so book one is the town with no name. Book two is going to be called High Moon. That's what I'm writing at the moment. And book three will be Midnight Cowboys. Oh, okay. And they, I'm telling you now, man, they are an awful lot of fun. The people who've read Bloodstone one think it's really 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 good. Brilliant. It's based it's basically Western vampire monsters. What and more so, could you ask for? That's fabulous. What more could you ask for? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm having a blast writing them. I really, which, I really which is also part of it. Thanks very much for your yeah. time today, Paul. That's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. Thank you. You take care. All right. Uh, you too. Thank you so much for that, Paul. That's it for this week. Goodbye. Take care, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>